0: Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder.
1: And I'm Sarah Severson, and we're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Zach Hively in
0: June when the theme was privilege. Zach writes nonfiction, poetry, and a regular column called Fool's Gold. He dances the tango, teaches dance, and plays guitar and harmonica in the duo Oxygen on Embers. Dogs love him, he thrives in the desert, he wears fine hats, and he once changed his own tire. Here's Zach's story.
2: We were riding down the longest, straightest, flattest, most boring stretch of highway in America, south from Holbrook, Arizona, when, some of you know the road. <laughs> when the woman driving the car, I don't really know how it happened, but she lost control. She went off one side. And after some overcorrections, the car ended up rolling. And the windshield just crinkled like tinfoil, and dust poured in that gap at the top of the car, which was now the bottom of the car. And I, as calm as anything in the passenger seat, just went, huh, this is how I die. The car then rolled back onto its wheels and ended up back on the road before it stopped. And I was alive. Not only that, I didn't have a bruise on me, no cuts, no scratches. And so while we waited for the responders, I did the only thing that mattered, considering my life had just been handed back to me. And that was to sift through the inches of dust on the floorboards of this car, combing for loose change to put back in its plastic cup. (laughs) About four years after that, I uh, I was in another car accident that, by rights, could have killed me, and and I again walked away untouched. Um, these were, I think, wake up calls, and I just hit the snooze button. You know, not dying was really desperately trying to teach me something, and to me, it was worth all of about four dollars and fifty eight cents. So that lesson decided to take a funny way to get around to me. Um, it waited a few years until I was walking dogs at the Humane Society. You know, I was at a time in my life where I really needed to get out and, and interact with people and just be, be out and about. And I decided dogs were so much easier than human beings. So, so that's why I walked dogs. And I found out very quickly that dogs are like other people's kids. I want them to be loved and fed and housed. I just really don't want them to come home with me.
1: <laughs>
2: so I was able to walk dogs for a few months without any sort of temptation, and then I met Wally. You know, and I wish I could say it was love at first sight that the skies parted and the angels sang, and it was nothing like that. And all I knew was that I was walking this really chill dog. Um, and he was—he was—he was just happy to be on the walk, but, but really calm and confident about it. He had this this really self-assured sway to his hips. And The guess was that he was maybe five years old, some sort of hound, some sort of shepherd. I could see it all in there. Um, he maybe came up to about my knee, just above my knee. Beautiful s'mores-colored fur. He had like wiry dark chocolate on his back and graham, smooth graham cracker face and size uh, and. <laughs> Marshmallow belly and paws, and the most expressive face I've ever seen on a dog. His his ears were kind of floppy, and, and they would go every which way. But it was his eyes. Um, and you could use his mouth stuff too, but his eyes. He was a quiet thinker, but he would communicate anything he was thinking, um, especially when he wanted to give you those long hound dog eyes <laughs> that he had. So. We finished the walk, and at the end, I would always check in with the kennel tech on how the dogs had done. You know, Did they poop? Were there worms in it? Did they try to bite me? And with Wally, I just handed back the leash and said, this guy did great. And the tech kind of looked at me and went, Wally did great? Yeah, Wally did awesome. I didn't really understand why he was so perplexed until the end of the day when I went to say bye to all the dogs I'd walked. And they had tacked this veil up over Wally's kennel so that he couldn't really see out. Um, he was in there barking and throwing himself against the sides and I realized this is why this really sweet, chill dog hadn't been adopted after a couple weeks, because this is how people saw him. Um, but I didn't take him home either. I went home alone and on with my life. Except that guy kept wriggling his way into my heart all week long. and. I finally said, "Okay, okay, I will go at the end of my work week. And if he's still there, I will walk him again. That's all. That's all I'm promising. Uh, Well, he was still there. And when we got back from that walk, I said, I'm taking this dog with me. Um, And I think the most heavenly words I've ever heard were when they got on the intercom and said, bring Wally to the front. He's coming home. And it was pretty evident pretty quick that we were pretty special. Um, we, were like, we were like Han Solo and Chewbacca, you know? <laughs> That's actually kind of how I talked to him. and He was my furball. And it was a good thing we were that close, because it turns out he had a medical rap sheet longer than his big fluffy tail. Um, he had this really cute pink skin on his snout, sort of behind the black of his nose. And it turned out that was just the landing pad for his atypical discoid lupus, um, an autoimmune disorder. Um, that first summer, we were together. Both of his anal glands impacted. Um, the vet was like, I have never seen anything like this. And I will spare you guys the details, except to say that they were as large as tangerines back there. Poor guy. Um, but his spirits were good. And, and then last year, spring of last year, um, I felt the lump in his in his big furry magnificent neck and we'd only been together just over a year at that point and I was like, okay dogs get fatty lumps all the time, but let's get it checked out. So they went ahead and took it out at the vet's office and it took a couple months of sending samples off to to biopsy labs and getting inconclusive second opinions before we finally pinned it down as a rare form of lymphoma. So rare that there weren't survival statistics on it. Um, The oncologist in Albuquerque even said she sees it maybe once every five years. Um, But we had hope. Um, I had invested in pet insurance after the anal glands. That helped a lot. Um, there was this course of chemotherapy that seemed really promising that dogs responded well to, and we also took the chance to create the doggy bucket list. We took all the someday things that we could ever want to do in our six, seven, eight, nine years left together, and we said, okay, we're doing them all this summer right now, because maybe we only get six months. And Of course we had way more adventures in that month than I could tell you guys in the time here. but. It was an incredible summer. And, and it spilled into the fall um, until last November when Wally finished his course of chemotherapy and was declared in remission. And we took another walk on the, the river trail that day. And you know it really got to me. Wally's not dying impacted me much more than my own not dying ever did. I was like Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life when he comes back and realizes he's alive again. I was yelling at everything I saw, you know, we're in remission, you old house across the river, and we're in remission, you old lamppost. (laughs) I I think I freaked some people out. But Wally, after that, was more himself than I'd ever seen him. He was doggish, his appetite, his playfulness, his expressiveness. He was, he was him. He was dog. And it was pretty incredible. and then, just after New Year this year, I I felt his lymph nodes. Um, they were swollen, and you know I thought, okay, it's winter, um, and I'm not feeling well. My lymph nodes swell up, so maybe that's all it was. Um, well, it's not all it was. After barely a month and a half, he was out of remission again, and he was still at the vet. I was home alone when I got that call, and I'm really glad. That that's how it was because I fell apart. I I'm amazed I didn't punch a hole in the floor. I was screaming and swearing and throwing things, and my face took on shapes I didn't know existed, and it was primal, like I'd already lost them. Um, it hurt, the kind of hurt that you curl up against so that you don't have to feel anything. You just want to protect yourself. And the doggy bucket list shifted that day. It went from all the adventures we could have to, to let's just be together. You know, I decided and told Wally that he was gonna come with me everywhere he could. Everything short of certifying him as a bogus service animal. He was gonna be with me. And the funny thing was that I assumed I would just be at home a lot more with him. And it kinda didn't work that way. Right about that same time, I started venturing out more like humans were suddenly less frightening than they'd been when I went to the humane society and I was I Was dancing more than I ever had I started teaching dance. I was making music started a band and You know, I think that's called making friends and it was like Wally in his very expressive Quiet way was telling me that bucket list wasn't for me, dude. That was for you. And so I listened to him and I kept going out and doing those things and taking him with me whenever I could and of course I stayed at home with him some too I would I would sit and write while he dozed and then when he'd woke up when he'd wake up I would get to listen to him again when he'd knock my notebook off my lap and say let's go let's do something so we would we'd go for a walk and and I listened to him the first time he said no to a walk when We walked out the front door, and he just turned around and said, nope. And I listened to him that same night when he let me know it was time to let him go. Dogs come into our lives for reasons. We weren't done being best friends, and we weren't done being pack mates, Wally and me. We weren't done being Han and Chewy. But he was done with his reason for being here as a dog. And that meant that I could finally start my reason for being here as a man, that I could love my own life the way I loved that dog, that I could open myself up, uncurl myself, acknowledge that, yes, I'm going to get the absolute shit kicked out of me. But you know what? I'm going to fall in love every day. And that's how Wally still gets to come with me everywhere I go. You don't get to see him sitting right here with me tonight, but he's here.
0: Thanks, Zach, for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future
1: Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. Our next storytelling event will be September 7th and 8th at James Ranch, north of Durango, and at the Grand Imperial Hotel in Silverton, when the theme will be water. And we are also currently looking for storytellers for our upcoming events in October, when the theme will be belonging.
0: And if you have not done so already, be sure to subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud or Stitcher. And be sure to share these stories with your friends and comment on things that you loved. Thanks to our photographer, McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website. And be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. We also want to thank our nonprofit sponsor organization, Mancus Valley Resources. We couldn't do it without you.
1: Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar, and you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org.
0: Now for take. Oh yeah, Rockstar. I'm either having deja vu or we've already recorded this. We haven't recorded this yet. No, I don't think I'm having so. having total deja vu right now. <laughs>
1: no. Are you that? Yeah, cool. twice. I actually had really? it really
0: strongly the other night, too. I was on my back porch talking to Danielle, and I was like, whoa, whoa.
1: this has all happened before. Oh, I love that.
0: It's wild. Terrible. I actually yeah. kind of like it, too. It feels, yeah. it feels kind of like Tribune. the circularness of time.
1: Yeah.